Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Adam Schuster, Senior Director of Budget and Tax Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Education continues to be a hot-button issue almost two years into the pandemic. One aspect that deserves more attention is Illinois' oversized administrative overhead and how spending on too much bureaucracy decreases money that should be flowing to the classrooms. Adam, thanks for joining me today to break this down. Absolutely. It's a very important subject and one that's uh, near and dear to my heart. So a, a number of years ago at IPI, we used to have this standard formatting for reports. And the way that it was laid out was we had a section on the problem, the solution, and why it matters. And I thought that that could be an interesting way to dive into this issue because it's not something that people always think about when they think about education and the problems that we face here in Illinois. So walk us through this problem of too much administrative bloat in Illinois' public education system. Sure. So Illinois has 852 school districts. Um, We spend, as a result, about double the national average on the cost of administering our school districts. So if you look at census categories, they call this general administration, but it just means um, the cost of the superintendent, their staff, uh, any other district costs, like if they have a district marketing budget, those types of things. We spend way, way more on that stuff uh, than any other state, more than our neighbors, more than peer states like California, New York. Uh, And so as a result uh, of that, Illinois is a very high spending state um, when it comes to education. We spend about $17,000 per student. We spend more than every one of our Midwest neighbors. Um, And yet we lag behind in results measured by graduation rates, uh, standardized testing scores on math, reading. Um, We fall significantly behind every one of our neighboring states and uh, significantly behind where our spending would make you think we should uh, should fall. So we're not getting a good bang for our buck. Um, The question is why? And it's because when you spend all that money on bureaucrats, on district administration, on superintendents and their pensions and their health care benefits and all these things, there's less money to go to the classroom, to teachers, to students, to educational supplies, to actual instructional costs. And those are the things that actually improve outcomes for students and and give them an opportunity to better life. And we're just not spending the money in the right place, basically. Got it. And that's a really interesting point. So per student spending matters, Mm -hmm. but what matters as much or maybe even more is how the money is spent. And I think that's what's really interesting about your research. Give us some context, too, about what the problem looks like on the ground, because you talk about too many districts um, and how that skews how educational dollars are spent. Mm -hmm. But what does that actually mean? What are some examples of why this is a problem? Yeah, so we've all heard uh, in Illinois, unfortunately, about the teacher who has to dip into their own pocket to pay for classroom supplies, right? I think that in and of itself is an example of this problem. Why are classrooms not adequately funded so teachers are paying for tissues or notebooks or pens out of their own pocket? Um, you know, why don't uh, all students have, you know, the technology they need? If, if you want to be prepared for the modern economy, you should probably be working on a tablet or a laptop or working with computers. You know, why don't they all have those resources? Why, they don't, why don't they all have high-speed internet? Why don't they all have the best, newest instructional textbooks? Uh, you know, these are the types of spending that's being sacrificed um, to pay for uh 
too many administrators who don't interact with students on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, oftentimes we will have a superintendent for one school and then a town over, there's another superintendent for one school, right? And so they're basically serving the same function as the principal. Um, and this is what we're prioritizing. We're prioritizing jobs and inflated salaries and benefits uh, for bureaucrats over the needs of actual children and teachers in the classroom. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this problem. Um, one of the things that you mentioned that I remember just being shocked by when you introduced this concept at IPI was that there are a significant number of school districts that serve only one school. What's the stat on that? Because it's escaping me at the moment. So half of them serve only one or two schools. So um, roughly you know, 50% of the districts are, are serving a really small amount of students. And how many districts do we have again? And then how does that compare to states that are both bigger and smaller than us? It's 852, and um, what I did is kind of compare in in the research to uh, other states that are similar, 2 million students or more, right? So you're talking about uh, Florida, New York, Texas, California. These are sort of the peer states to to compare Illinois to, Um, and they all serve significantly more students and more schools per district, um, and it's orders of magnitude. So I'll just pick California um, because they're my favorite example, and and I'll, I'll tell you why, but... They have a total of 1,165 districts, um, which gives them about 5,500 students for each district. That's more than double the students per district. We have about 2,300 students per district. Um, if you were to proportionally match the, like our efficiency to their efficiency, how many districts we would have if we serve the, serve the names, uh, same number of students for each, we would only have 364 in the state instead of 852. Uh, Now, the reason I really like to use California as the example for this comparison is Illinois uh, in 2018 was the only state that spent more than a billion dollars on our school districts. Mm -hmm. Not schools, right? Not the the buildings, not the kids, not the teachers, on the districts. The only state that spent more than a billion dollars. California has three times as many kids they spent a third, 33% less on the, on the total cost, a much larger what? state, yeah, of, of administering these school districts, right? So that right there just shows you this is extremely inefficient. We have way too many layers of bureaucracy between our kids and the money, um, and that's why the outcomes aren't there. Yeah, I think that's one of those moments, and I really want to, I want to write that down and, and remember that. Say that stat again, California to Illinois. So California, three times as many kids Mm -hmm. spent a third less on district administration. We spent more than a billion dollars. They spent about 700 million. I mean, you can't argue with stats like that. There's no reason why we should have that big of a gap. And what are outcomes like in California public schools compared with Illinois? I mean, typically they score significantly better. In more recent years of data, they do have better outcomes. Um, and, and generally, each of the states that has a more uh, efficient district administration has uh, better student outcomes. So if you look at math scores and reading scores, they actually correlate very strongly with the amount of money you spend on instruction versus the amount of money you spend on your district. So regardless of total per pupil spending, so not even talking about the amount you spend per kid, just the allocation of that spending, just the share which goes to uh, administration versus instruction, statistically explains outcomes. So that means even if you spent the same amount that you spend today, if you were just to shift your resources to kids, you could see improvement. 
So there's a point at which the more you spend on administration, the worse off kids are. Yes, there's definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really interesting and really important. Um, I mean, we we have seen education really take center stage in the past couple of years just because of how many problems there have been navigating how to get kids into school safely during the pandemic and what that looks like. Um, and And now that we're starting to figure that out, it seems like a very important topic to tackle. You know, how are we spending education dollars? Um, and you know, I, I'm the daughter of a public school teacher. You're the father of a kid in public schools. I think we all have someone in our lives who is either a, a, a teacher, a, a coach, a, a student, or something like that. We all have skin in the game on this, mm-hmm. and we have an interest in making sure that we get this right. Um, so I also want to talk with you too about the path forward, because, you know, what we do here is obviously we do the research and identify the things that are maybe not working or that could work better, but we also provide a path forward. So what is that? We need fewer districts, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, the, the obvious answer is we need to streamline the number of school districts in the state so that more of the money we spend on education goes to actual uh, education. Um, this has been a a difficult thing to do, uh, maybe more difficult than you'd expect when you look at the numbers, right? When you hear that Illinois is spending a third more with with three times fewer kids, you know, it seems like, well, everyone, no, who could be against this, right? Um, but uh, there are people against it, namely those who stand to potentially lose their jobs. Um, and uh, it's a special interest. They've, they've got something they don't want to give up. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate, but there was an attempt to consolidate districts back in actually the mid uh, 1980s. Um, the Illinois State Board of Education came out with this report that said Illinois cannot uh, provide equitable education to every student with this many districts. It was very, very strongly worded. There is no way for us to provide adequate resources when we're wasting this much money on bureaucracy. Um, and lawmakers back then actually did something about it. They passed a bill that would have mandatorily required a certain number of districts to consolidate. Um, Unfortunately, they put those special interest groups in charge of determining which districts would consolidate. And they said, none of us need to lose our jobs, right? And in fact, let's keep all the districts. Uh, and the General Assembly ended up repealing that bill and kind of ignoring uh, the state board. Um, we've come back and said, you know, this is a job left unfinished. Um, over the, you know, the, the ensuing decades, most states continued to consolidate. Consolidation has been uh, a trend um, starting in the you know, early 1900s, continuing through today. Most states have continued to consolidate, continued to streamline so they could spend more money on kids. Uh, Illinois really, really fell behind over the last 30 years um, to the point where we're, we're this extreme national outlier today. Going, you know, if you went back to the 80s, it was actually less bad vis-a-vis other states than it is today, but it's gotten worse because we haven't done anything about it. Um, and so we have a bill, we call it the Classrooms First Act, uh, that would pick up this problem uh, that they dropped in the 80s, the ball that they dropped. Uh, and I like to call it an expert-informed but locally controlled process for consolidation because um, I really believe in local control, especially over schools. And so the way our bill works is it creates a commission of experts, administrators, teachers, parents from around the state with some geographical representation who would come up with recommendations. These are the places where consolidation would save the most money. These are the places where consolidation would give the biggest boost to student outcomes. But then 
those recommendations don't take effect automatically. They go to voters to the ballot for a referendum. And voters in each of the affected districts have to approve the change for it to move forward. And if they say, you know what, we have too much bureaucracy here, we want more of the money to go to classrooms, then the consolidation goes forward. But if they shoot it down, it doesn't happen. So we've been through this process legislatively a few times now. And what has been, I mean, it's a tragedy that this bill has not moved ahead because of all of the reasons we've already identified. If this were to happen, we would figure out the places where consolidation makes sense. We could get more money to kids. We could get more money into the classroom for teachers. Um, okay, but whatever, that that hasn't happened yet. What is fascinating to me throughout this process is how the special interests have twisted what this bill that you just described would do, yeah. because it is a very common sense, reasonable approach. Yeah. It's not a mandate to close any one school. It's a study. And then once we have the study, voters can decide. Um, I, some of the strangest misinformation was, you know, we saw propaganda out there saying this bill would close schools. You would lose your mascot or, you know, any number of other crazy things. So it's just been, you know, it's a case study in what happens when special interests feel threatened. And it's a good indicator that they're scared about this. They know that there's a real problem and that they're about to be exposed. Here's why they're scared. The first year we introduced this bill, it passed 109 to zero. Zero votes against it. Okay? It's not law yet. It sounds kind of crazy when you hear that, but it passed 109 to zero. There was not one lawmaker who saw this, Democrat, Republican, and otherwise, who thought this is a bad idea. But then these special interests mobilized and they started spreading this misinformation. They started threatening people and scaring people and saying this is forced consolidation, which is a lie, right? It's not a difference of opinion. That is a lie. It is not forced consolidation. I just said the voters have to approve it. There's nothing forced about it, right? Um, so that's a lie. They also said you'll lose your, your mascot. You'll lose your, your team colors. Your kid might have to ride the bus for longer. Again, lies, right? That's not true. We're talking about district consolidation, not school consolidation. But they know that because 50% of the people, their district only serves one or two schools, a lot of people conflate the two, right? They just aren't thinking about it in super specific terms. They hear consolidation and they think about their school actually closing, right? And, and the special interests know that. They're not stupid. They know that people conflate these two things. And so they're intentionally misleading lawmakers and the public about what this legislation actually does for the purpose of, of keeping their own jobs. Um, and again, 109 to zero the first year it was passed. Uh, since then, um, uh, you know, they, they were able to stop it in the Senate that year after it passed the House. Uh, and since then, you know, we, we've come back, um, but they, they've continued the misinformation and they're not willing to argue against it on its merits because they know they'll lose on the merits. We had a really fantastic uh, legislative ally on this, Rita Mayfield, who just did the work. She did an amazing job, was a passionate advocate for kids. Talk to me about what it was like working with her and then seeing what happened in this most recent legislative cycle. Talk, tell us about that. Rita Mayfield has been a fantastic lawmaker um, on this issue. She's, you know, really serious about uh, bringing the benefits of this to her constituents and to everybody in Illinois. And, and just to quickly say those benefits, um, rough back of the envelope calculation, because it depends on how many consolidations happen, but this bill could potentially save $732 million 
in administrative costs that can be reinvested in instruction. That's the equivalent of two years of increases under our, our education funding formula, which is $350 million additional each year. So you can get two years without spending another dollar, without taxing another dollar, just by reallocating the money um, to, to a better place to spend it, right? The other thing is two-thirds of your property taxes for the average uh, Illinoisan go to your school district. It's the biggest bill, the biggest portion of your bill uh, on your property tax bill is your school district. Um, some of this money should be reinvested in classrooms, it, but it's going to depend on the area. In places where you've already got you know, the resources you need, this, these savings should be returned to property taxpayers. So this bill has the opportunity to offer both property tax relief um, and more resources for kids. That's why she's so into it. Um, and she's done a really good job selling it. And she's also done a really good job of pointing out the disingenuous arguments on the other side, the lies, right? Um, and saying, you're only saying that because you're trying to keep your job. Um, but what happened is those special interest groups were... Um, I still don't fully understand this part, but they were able to get the teachers' unions on their side. The reason I don't understand that is because this bill would benefit teachers significantly. You know, there's there's a big push to try to get more money for teachers, higher salaries for teachers in Illinois to deal with shortages. This is a way to actually free up some of that money. Uh, so teachers should 100% support this. If you're a teacher listening, please support this bill. Um, but the teachers' unions joined the district administrators in calling people, threatening primary opponents, threatening to pull funding from them, just using bullying tactics, right? Again, not arguing against the bill on its merits, and they bullied people uh, into changing their vote at the last minute and were able to kill it last year. Yeah, I, and that's a really good point. You know, you're, you're appealing to teachers out there. Yeah, there is a teacher shortage right now, and, and it's getting a lot of attention. And, you know, this would give a boost to districts that have a need for more educators, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this the, the biggest benefits for this would be in the districts that are the furthest away from adequacy right now. So in those districts where, you know, they've got the lowest levels of funding, they would get the most from this because this is an opportunity to give them funding uh, without having to take it from anywhere else or raise taxes to get it. It's just reallocating. Okay. Um, I mean, you've, you've sold me, obviously. Here I am, and I'm echoing a lot of what you're saying. I, I hope that we, we see a shift this next legislative session. What else do people need to know about this issue? What's next? We will be reintroducing this. I mean, I, on any, if, if you've ever called a lawmaker or thought about calling a lawmaker, this is when we need you to do it because this is a bill that is really good for kids, is really good for teachers, um, is good for taxpayers, and is, is pretty bipartisan. And, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats like it. It's, it's, it's just a sort of common sense thing. It doesn't have to do with, with your political party. It's just we shouldn't be wasting the money on this. We should be spending it here. Um, so I would tell everyone, please call your, your senator, call your state rep. If you don't know how to do that, go to IllinoisPolicy.org. Uh, go to the menu. There's a, a section there to contact your representative. You can get their email address, their phone number. Please call them, contact them, ask them to sponsor this bill. Not only vote for it, they should be sponsoring it. Because again, you know, this is good for everyone. The only people who lose in this scenario are special interests who are you know, basically living high off the backs of taxpayers uh, and preventing money from going to kids. And that's not whose side we should be taking. Well, Adam, thanks so much for breaking this down for us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode.
of the policy shot. 